Discover a healthier, happier you with Veganuary 2024. Your health isn't just small potatoes, it's a big deal. So this January, you are invited to make a change that matters by trying Veganuary's 31-Day Vegan Challenge. Switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at Veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi folks, Matt here. Just a quick one before we get started this week. You can nominate us for the Listener Choice Award at this year's British Podcast Awards. And why would you not want to do that, your favourite TV podcast? Just head over to www.britishpodcastawards.com dot com slash vote there you will be able to see a screen that says search for the podcast search for the custard tv podcast and then uh, enter your vote uh, the link to this is also pinned to the top of my twitter at matt's tv bytes and the podcast twitter at custard tv podcast so if you would be so kind as to retweet one or both of those tweets that would be great tell your friends to vote for us as well get the word out and hopefully we will be um, at the awards ceremony. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. It is me Matt here with you once again. This uh, episode will be going out actually on my birthday um, which is Tuesday so I have as a birthday present got two of my favourites with me on the podcast today or certainly (laughs) two of my favourites who are available at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, First of all we've got uh, Sarah in the Birmingham area. How are you Sarah? All right, thank you. I keep saying that, but last night I've developed a twitch in my eye and it won't go away. Do you think actually I'm really stressed out? It could be that. <laughs> too much no, too much just, TV, maybe. Too much TV. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> and in the London area, we've got Sophie Davis with us. How are you, Sophie? Hello, I'm good, thanks. I'm a bit hot, but otherwise good. It's been boiling all week. <laughs> it's a bit much for me. I don't cope with it very well. Oh, yeah, it's like T-shirts and sandals or where's the blanket? (laughs) Today on the podcast, we are covering uh, the new series of Only Murders in the Building, uh, Loot on Apple TV Plus. That's a new comedy from Maya Rudolph. We have got uh, two new dramas from Paramount Plus. We've got Super Pumped, The Battle for Uber and The Man Who Fell to Earth. And on Netflix, Rowan Atkinson in Man vs. Bee. Uh, have we got any uh, anecdotes this week, guys? Anything to start the podcast on a high? I went to Ikea. <laughs> for only the second time in my life. Did you buy anything at Ikea? Yes. I went to test all of the sofas. As TV critics know, it's very important to go and test your sofa. Do not buy it on the internet. Go and test it in the showroom. Your butt deserves that. And then I came away with loads of nice bits of tat as well. Any interesting trips to any other stores, Sophie, to regale us with? Stores, not really. Um, I finally started watching Hacks this week. So I'm about 
I think halfway through series one and really enjoying that so oh, far. Yeah. And I've also been watching series uh, the latest series of Stranger Things, as I oh, think yeah. a lot of people have. Were you Sorry? telling me, Matt, that you were mad at Gogglebox for spoiling it for you? A little bit, but you, you, you're you used to it now, I think, from Gogglebox. They spoiled a bit of This Is Going To Hurt as well, didn't they? A, a sort of pivotal scene from that. So, But yeah, Hacks, I've, I'm through both seasons of that i absolutely loved that did you ever go back to it sarah because you weren't you weren't keen on that were you when we were no i've it? not gone back to it yet i keep thinking i must but i haven't <laughs> yeah i found that i didn't love it immediately but as i've carried on like the two women are sort of getting a bit closer to each other now mm. i think i'm enjoying it more now that they're not kind of arguing all the time and they're actually like getting into it a bit with the characters yeah it does take a couple of episodes but i think they're just so brilliant and the second series is different from the first, but, uh, you know, the chemistry is still there. And I, I, I really would recommend it to to anyone, even Sarah, who was very sceptical about it at the time. I'm just generally sceptical. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it was specifically about hacks, just sceptical in general. Although <laughs> you, f- you you did feel that way about Girls 5 Ever and then you went back to it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, no, I had to confess I'd made a massive mistake <laughs> with letting that one slide. <laughs> Have you watched any of the second series of that, Sophie? Or no, not yet. I think I'm gonna catch up with Hacks first and yeah. then move on to that. But I'm yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. A lot of good, a lot of good comedy at the moment. And Inside Number Nine, your favourite of the series? Have you did you watch any of it, Sarah? By the way, this last series. Oh yeah, yeah I watched, watched Inside Number Nine religiously. The mm. uh, Wise Owl, I thought was like classic Inside Number Nine. It felt very them. Like I couldn't believe that they hadn't done something to do with public information films before because it seems like they're sort of like creepy thing and surprisingly slightly sort of uplifting ending which I thought was nice as well and like unexpected. And the least sort of out there twist as well really wasn't it I I would say. Yeah I think it was cleverly done um, and I can't remember the name of the actor now but the guy who played the dad I thought was Ron Cook. Yes, very effective, and like the little touches, like him being covered in feathers at the end. Mm. Uh, yeah, really strong series this one. Uh, probably random act of kindness. Yeah. I love it when they get to really sort of stretch their like proper acting chops as well as the sort of comedy and the horror. I think the one that I liked the least was Mr. King, the folk horror one. That was like a little bit too scary for me. <laughs> was that just a personal thing rather than? I just a can't believe they've never done folk horror before and they did it so well. I can't, can't do creepy kids. I agree with you. I think the last two were my favourites. My least favourite was probably the one with Sophie Okanedo, the yeah, writer same. one. Yeah, same. I actually enjoyed it more the second time I watched it. I think mm. first time there was a lot to take in and the twists felt quite like oh okay like a bit sort of like oh there's another twist is there and yeah I enjoyed it more the second time when I kind of knew what they were doing from the start like oh the dialogue's supposed to be bad because it's like a cliche police drama but yeah that was my least favorite overall. Uh, That's all on the iPlayer now and plugs let's get those out of the way. Sarah have you got anything new on uh, for us to read at the moment? No, nothing new at the moment. I've had to have a bit of a quiet month with life taking over, unfortunately. But give us a week or so and I will let you know about all of the shows you should have caught up on from this month. Um, and that's at whynow.co.uk. OK, and Sophie, the any podcasts coming at the moment? Nothing new, but people can go back and listen to the um, Julia Davis podcast, Smash Prawns in a Milky Basket 
and it's an S pod thing and people can follow me on Twitter at it's Sophie Davis. And the Custard TV, the podcast itself is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all that stuff. Could you, If you could rate, review and subscribe, we would very much appreciate it. On the website, there are um, reviews of uh, Sherwood, which is finishing this week. We have got a really long piece on the wire up there as well. And Luke has written about um, Only Murders in the Building, the second series, which we will be talking about now. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Just to start, guys, what... Did you watch the series when it first came on? Did you sort of go back to it? What are you, what's your relationship with the, with the series, the first season? Yeah, I watched it as it was going out. And this new series, it's weekly as well, isn't it? Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, and I, I like that about it. It feels nice to have like a little half-hour thing every week to look forward to. I basically watched it all in two nights because I came to it late. I don't know what had put me off. You know as a sort of British TV viewer, you know, when you look at something and it's badged up and it just looks so American, like it's going to mm-hmm. have loads of jokes in it about late night chat show hosts that you've never heard of. You know, I was <laughs> like, mm, this looks a bit too American for me. It was not at all. It was perfect. And I loved every second of it. And yeah, we obviously covered the first ones on the podcast when it, I think it was, was it sort of August, September, was it when it first came over here? And yeah, we, mm-hmm. I, I, I was the same. I watched it weekly. Me and Luke had different feelings. He enjoyed it more than I did. I felt it maybe dragged on a little bit. I I would say if it was eight rather than ten, it would have been slightly better. Uh, But that's just personal preference. So, uh, Sophie, um, do you want to just run us through the the brief plot points of this, uh, the first two episodes of season two? Yeah, I mean, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen series one. By the end of the series, their podcast had become quite big and they had caught the murderer, but then in the last few minutes of the finale, there is she she's the sort of building manager, I think. She was found dead in Mabel's apartment, and the three of them were being arrested. That was the kind of end of series one. Um, and now in this opening episode of season two, they're being questioned by the police about this new murder, but since there's no proof that any of them did it, and the police also can't find the murder weapon. They're all quite quickly released, but they're still being treated as persons of interest in the case. Um, and where we sort of go from there is that Oliver is still really keen to continue with the podcast and look into this new murder, like do a series two. Charles gets cast as, well, he's, he's Uncle Brazos in a reboot of Brazos. Um, and Mabel also becomes a bit famous because a photo of her being arrested, covered in blood, goes a bit viral. Um, And then I guess alongside all of that, the podcaster who was played by Tina Fey, uh, who appeared in series one, is now making a podcast about them and this new murder. And also Amy Schumer now lives in the building and wants to make a series out of the podcast and wants to buy the rights to it. So that's going on as well. And uh, Cara Delevingne as well has come into it as a Alice, I think. Yeah, she contacts Mabel on Instagram and is like, oh, do you want to come to my art gallery opening? I really like your mural that you have in your apartment (laughs) that we've all seen photos of. So, yeah, that's sort of the new relationship, I think, isn't it? It's sort of burgeoning there. Um, So what were your thoughts? I'll go to Sarah first. What were your sort of thoughts about the second season? 
well, I got very overexcited and watched two of them in one go. <laughs> so apologies if I end up talking about anything from episode two, but I won't do anything. It's gonna it's gonna be on the first two are gonna be up, so you're fine. Oh fine, yeah. okay. So there's another family connection for Charles as well. Um there's a saucy painting, a very expensive painting that's missing from Bunny's apartment. Um, and everyone's convinced that Charles's dad is the quite naked man in the painting. Amy Schumer decides that she wants the painting because she really fancies Charles. <laughs> Someone is doubling down on framing them for Bunny's murder. And I was so excited to watch this. Oh, my God. So excited. But I just found this slower than I remember the first couple of episodes of series one. And it wasn't laugh out loud funny in the same way as series one for me. But it's a very different prospect when you're coming back to a set of characters and they are in a particular situation and we are following them. Um, We have patience and we have faith in the writing team and in the performers because we've had such a good time with them in series one. So I was a little bit cool on it. But of course, you know, still interested to see where we go. And I would like to see very much more of the Tina Fey character, because every time she turns up, I'm absolutely cackling. Interesting that Amy Schumer has moved into Sting's apartment. Is she the new Sting? I mean, I know she's quite famous, but she's not Sting famous, is she? Because when I heard she was cast in this series, I had no idea she was going to be playing herself. So when she showed up in the lift and he turned to her and was like, oh, Amy Schumer, that was quite surprising. It's a little bit breaking the fourth wall, isn't it? It's quite strange. Um, Yeah, interested because you guys are big fans as well. Interested to know what you thought. I, as I said, wasn't as big a fan as some other people, but I it's nice to have this show back and it almost sort of feels you feel comfortable with these characters I think the thing is it's a lot better when they're together than when they're apart Mm -hmm. I think their separate Mm -hmm. stories are slightly thinner maybe than the central murder plot I think of the three Charles is the most intriguing the stuff with Brazos does really ring true you know the rebooting of all these old 80s crime shows but having you know, they've got a female lead and he's going to be like the bit of nostalgia really in the background. And also, as you say, the stuff with his dad, there was a lot of those meta references it to it being season two or season two of the podcast. And Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I actually, I wrote down it's rich, it's multi-layered, amazing use of callbacks because that's what they did throughout the first series. Mm. But if they stand in the lift together and go, that's a callback, it sort of lessens it mm. for me. It's not as fun. But I think the chemistry between those leads is is brilliant. Their sort of interplay between the three of them. Um, I liked uh, Shirley MacLaine as well when she came into the second episode as Bunny's mother. I thought she was absolutely brilliant. It's like someone giving you a hug, really. It's like a yeah. TV. And I love the... I... Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was going to say, I think the last series, because we were unfamiliar with the format, really and how meta it was, and how Mm. deep it was, and how complicated, and how all joined together, and clever it was. I think it's really hard, because our expectations are set high now, so perhaps, you know, that's why I wasn't so into this one, because I know, I know to expect really good award-winning stuff. And I suppose the thing is, as well, is that, you know, they didn't know what the reception would be when they made the first season, now they sort of know what people 
liked about it and what possibly their expectations are what what about you sophie yeah i just i really love the dynamic between the three main characters in season one i never really found the murder mystery the most compelling thing about it i think for me it's more about the funny characters and the sort of quirky world they live in and as you were saying before it does feel sort of cozy like i think this is the sort of show i could recommend to almost anyone really unless you're someone who only watches like really dark gritty stuff i think you know i would recommend this to my parents my friends anyone and i think it's nice to have it back and i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and you know from this these first two episodes the case isn't that obvious you know i can't really see where it's going yet so that's promising and i suppose you've got like the a really good setting in that building as well haven't you it's almost a character yeah, like in the neighbors coming around and stuff like the nosy neighbors and mm. the pets like there's a there's a parrot in this series <laughs> that i'm guessing is going to have some part to play yeah because it's bunny's parrot who sort of mimics everyone in the building so there might be some clues there i suppose and the score as well i think is fantastic to this as well it's mm. it gets mm. even though I it never, gets stuck in your head i never notice a musical score I always have to really sort of close my eyes and pay attention to a film or or tv obviously I'm you know I'm more more visual when it comes to receiving information but this it is like having a symphony orchestra just playing something jaunty and bouncy isn't it it's just Mm. it's it doesn't get in the way but it it, it's so rich isn't it enhances it it. beautifully Mm -hmm. yeah the first two episodes of Only Murders in the Building Season 2 are available now. And then, as Sarah said, it is going to be weekly. Yeah, I believe 10 episodes in total again, like last season. As I say as well, it is, um, there's a review. Luke uh, went along to a screening of this um, last week. <laughs> Absolutely Fancy. jealous. Seething with jealousy. And uh, did uh, write a review on the website. So uh, go and check that out as well. Now, uh, on to uh, Paramount Plus, which launched in the UK uh, this week. A lot of new dramas on there, and I picked the two that had the highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's why we got these two guys. You'll be surprised how low some of the other ones were. That's why we ended up with these. So we'll start with The Man Who Fell to Earth. Now, this is sort of a sequel of the David Bowie film of the same name, uh, which was adapted originally from a novel by Walter Tace. Uh, stars Shuitel Ejiofor as a character called Faraday, who we meet in a uh, Luke special, uh, where he's almost playing like a Steve Jobs-esque character. Introducing, it looks like when Steve Jobs used to unveil new Apple products to a massive audience, and he's doing almost like a motivational speech. And then we're flashing back to how he fell to Earth. He is an alien. His planet is running out of water. Uh, He comes into New Mexico and is arrested when um, he tries to replenish his water supply by essentially ingesting a hose, uh, is the best way to put it. Uh, He is then taken to the police station. He he asks for Justin Falls, who is a character played by Naomi Harris, who was a cold fusion scientist who has now seemingly packed in her research to work menial jobs so she can provide medicine for... Her ailing father, played by the brilliant Clark Peters, uh, off of The Wire. She's initially reluctant to help Faraday, but by and by they crash into each other again. Go on sort of like a, a bit of a road trip where she's trying to sort of stop him from acting so 
alien in a way. And uh, he finally gets to his destination, which is to find Thomas Newton, who was the character apparently played by David Bowie in the original. He are now played by Bill Nighy doing a David Bowie impression. And Newton promises him at the end of the episode to turn Faraday into the god they can't ignore. Very strange sort of setup. Uh, Sophie, what did you make of this? I've never seen the film, but I really like this. I'm sure there were a lot of references to the film that I didn't get and, you know, completely went over my head. But I think it does still work regardless of whether you know the film or not. I think it's a really great performance from Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, Like, I particularly enjoyed the bits towards the beginning where, you know, he's just arrived on Earth. He's sort of learning how to speak and how to behave by observing people around him. I think I actually got more laughs out of this than I did from some of the comedies we're talking about this week. Like, you know, the bit you mentioned with the hose at the beginning where the police are like, put your hands up, and he's got this hose like all the way down into his body. Um, And when he's sort of mimicking people at the police station and they're getting very freaked out by it. Yeah, I like this. I'm tempted to seek out the film and then maybe come back to this. Um, I think Bill Nye is quite genius casting as well. Like, I wouldn't have thought of it, but, you know, if you're looking for someone, obviously it's a shame David Bowie couldn't do this himself. But, you know, if someone has to kind of fill in that role, I think Bill Nye is a great choice. From the little bit he was in, he seemed to be having a lot of fun with it as well. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I didn't realise that it was a sequel until sort of the very end when, when Nye popped up. I thought maybe it was going to be a remake. I think when he said, I need to find this guy, and then we saw who he was and Bill Nye's interpretation of the, of the Bowie character. I mean, have you seen the film, Sarah? No, I've no. not. It wouldn't be something that I would seek out, not being the world's biggest fan of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. What did you make of the first episode of the show? I can deal with a Luke special much more than Luke can. <laughs> but well, no, I, we know I... what the Sarah special is now. We found We found out what that is characters texting that's right jesus i don't want to see a text just talk or for god's sakes ring i just make it more entertaining for the viewer i think that the luke special undermined any tension here because we know that however long it takes he is accepted by human race everyone knows he's an alien everybody's fine with that And he becomes some sort of celebrity. It looked like he was on the stage at the Royal Albert Hall giving a TED talk. Mm -hmm. It was weird. And I think, like you're saying, that the how... Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal his character learns to speak is great 
and you can see that Chiwetel's got this amazing repertoire for mimic- mimicry. It's just incredible. I'm really struggling now to remember what his real voice is. Because <laughs> at the beginning, uh, when he's giving his speech, it's very sonorous. You know, it's very sort of warm and rich and very inviting. And he goes through all these different voices. I found it quite troubling. Has he become a tech bro? It looks like he might mm. have become a tech bro. and Therefore, I like him less. Uh, I liked his obsession with water. If he comes from a dry planet, fair enough. But why on earth did he have to crash land in New Mexico? Such a dry, dusty, arid area full of I think that's the point, hard Sarah. lives. <laughs> As you said, so if it was to do with the coordinates of where... Of the it, woman who he's looking for, yeah, I guess. I, after watching this episode, I did go to the Wikipedia and read the synopsis of the film. Just, to, And I think in that they do explain that the planet is sort of dying out from, from a lack of water and obviously if... Bowie's character didn't return, as we're led to believe here. He stay. He sort of has stayed on Earth since. Um, but yeah, I think the thing is that they are. He is going to become like the. It was saying like this is a equivalent of like a Steve Jobs type. This is where the the god you can't ignore is now like a tech guy, isn't it? That's mm. those are the it, people with all the power. It's interesting because from the opening bit, I didn't read that as everyone knows he's an alien because he was saying quite vague things about being like mm. an, and I think he was saying an immigrant or refugee possibly so I didn't read that as everyone knows he's an alien and is okay with it but I don't know if I've got it wrong he goes but... on to say things about eating red ants with his army in the desert or something and maybe he is just referencing nonsense people write about him on the internet yeah but he's, he's talking about secrets so yeah perhaps perhaps this is the moment that he lets people in that, truly on on his origin story his his sort of superman fell to earth origin story and that's sort of what what i got as well actually sophie that i think there's almost like the, the sort of parallel isn't it that it is the story of an immigrant almost that's sort of what they're telling as well isn't it like i think at some point like with the character the martha plimpton police officer character i think she insinuated that she thought he was an illegal immigrant didn't she mm. i think that's what so that's sort of like the parallel yeah, it's, the, it's the usage of the word alien mm. i just thought the casting was cool and i think mm. it's it's a really interesting way to shine a light on how risky it is to be a black man and to be weird especially in rural america i liked parts of this but i did find it a little bit repetitive in that you know, after a while, we sort of get this guy is an alien. We get that he's repeating things everyone's saying and we get that she's annoyed by him. And you, you want to just sort of move it along a little bit more than they were moving it along. Yeah, I, it takes a full 45 minutes before he gives her any straight answers. Mm. Naomi Harris, I thought, was brilliant in this. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of her with the family setup because I, you know, I love Clark Peters. I think he's a brilliant actor. Um, and the story, as you say, they were telling there with her not being able to get Medicare for him and having to illegally source these drugs for him was an interesting thing, which sort of felt very secondary to the main sort of alien plots that we want to sort of get through. And I read that it's going to be uh, Rob Delaney, I believe. I didn't see him in this one, but he's going to be in it as like the bad guy. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. A tech guy. So I, I don't know if I'm going to carry on with this, Sarah. You're... No? No, I'm, I wasn't interested enough. Shout out to uh, Greta Thunberg, but I'm sorry, babe. Uh, I can't be invested in two planets dying. I'm worried enough about one. (laughs) 
and but Sophie you said you're gonna maybe have a look at it after you've watched the original film yeah I'm up for watching the film because I I like David Berry so I'm interested to see that and then I might go back to this possibly that is all up there now on uh, Paramount Plus as is Super Pumped um, which is going to be a anthology series about various tech companies we know how much Sarah loves tech bros I'm sure she was glad to watch an entire episode of a series you know, devoted to Tech Bros. And this is going to be an anthology about Tech Bros and starting with uh, the story of the battle for Uber. This one is starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Travis Kalanick. Um, he was uh, the CEO of Uber. It's sort of telling the origins of the company in this first episode and looking then at various scandals that that plagued Uber over the years. Uh, We're looking here at his relationship with the investor Bill Gurley, who's played by Kyle Chandler, Uh, later becomes his mentor when Uber enters into a war with the San Francisco Transport Department. But it's sort of, you can see that Travis and Bill's relationship is sort of almost like a game of one-upsmanship and how much Travis can really trust Bill. That's sort of the impression we get by the end of this first episode. I didn't get much out of this. I have to say that's why the setup was quite brief. It's it's very much an opening thing. And I, I feel like this is eight episodes and I'm not sure how they're going to sort of string it across eight episodes. Again, we had the Luke special. We also had a weird sort of disembodied Quentin Tarantino voice as well. Mm-hmm which I didn't understand why we why we sort of needed like narration at certain points of this it just felt like completely out of the blue I don't know if this is sort of a cute thing that they want to sort of carry on over the the series of this the sort of the anthology Sarah what did you make of this perhaps might be safer to go to Sophie first unless she really wants to give this a tongue lashing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I didn't get on with this at all um to be honest, it's not something I would really choose to watch. Maybe if you're into like business and finance and that sort of thing, you might find the story interesting. But the characters are all really, you know, arrogant sort of tech bros who talk in this really heightened way. Like, you know, we're changing the game and that sort of thing, like quite cliche dialogue. You know, so it's they're st- disrupting the taxi space. Because <laughs> it starts with the CEO interviewing someone for a job and asking them, are you an asshole? Oh, an and asshole. the correct answer is yes, if you want to work there. I think if something has really unlikable characters, mm. I want it to be, you know, funny, like Succession or something. But I just kind of found this irritating. Like the way people talk in it is irritating. Like you were saying before, even the sort of style of it where it will like pause mid-scene and Quentin Tarantino will say something and some text will come up with like an emoji on the screen. Like it's quite... Adam McKay-ish. Yeah, that's, that's what I was aesthetic, thinking. But like a bit too far. I found it quite cheesy as well how it ends with them being kind of like, we're no longer Uber Cab, we're Uber. And it's like, like it's a really kind of badass, like, yes, but it's just, I was not feeling it at all. Oh yeah, my uh, God, I'm so glad we agree. Basically, yeah. <laughs> everything that Sophie said with a little bit more rage everyone is brash, everyone is irritating. It's basically just one guy yelling in a series of locations. (laughs) The style reflects the characters, they interrupt the flow. These like YouTube children's videos keep popping up. Is it meant to be cute? Everyone is so aggressive, there's no subtlety, there's no nuance to any of these characters. 
he's got a supportive family i guess that's probably and a nice girlfriend i think that's the, not enough i don't i yeah. want him to be worth my time investing in amanda seafried managed to make me care about elizabeth holmes in the dropout even though these people are from very similar backgrounds because there was a quietness felt out of her depth and we could feel a little bit of empathy for her there's no empathy for this guy at all he can honestly just disappear under the wheels of one of his cabs <laughs> even though i really love uber sorry please please don't give me a one star <laughs> oh no not uber cabs just uber well no i completely agree with you i'd i'd written i hate this person already about two minutes into the, <laughs> into the episode i think the only bit i could see where they were trying to give you a bit of sympathy was sort of his feelings towards his brother because his brother was a firefighter and he felt like he almost felt like he wasn't good enough it's his sense of self-worth i suppose is, yeah is what his he brother was has with. got a job that you can explain to someone mm. and a cute kitten video because he rescues kittens sometimes and and this guy doesn't have anything like that because he's just standing around um having very public meetings where that you really should take that into a meeting room and undermining his company by yelling at people even with something like the social network, which is the closest I think you're going to get to this, you had in that the Andrew Garfield character as sort of the sympathetic edge to balance out Jesse Eisenberg as, as Zuckerberg. Here it's just all Zuckerberg and yeah. <laughs> and no one to sort yeah. of hang yeah. Yeah, all on. the employees felt kind of interchangeable as well. Like there's a like a female employee who also gives a really annoying like talk to some taxi drivers to try and get them to join Uber. Sophie, were you, uh, like me, counting how many women were on screen? <laughs> yeah. I was actually surprised that there were like two or three female employees, especially because the first time we see the lads together, they're talking about the, the, the safety feature. That yeah, the and safety I wonder, promise or something like exactly, that. Exactly, and they, they were just going to charge people more and do nothing. Well, secu- was it a security fee or something? It, like I'm that. sure they call it safety. They, yeah. they do these days. And I wondered whether the female employees would have even cared or you know how they would feel differently about safety you know in a taxi alone at night with a stranger and i don't think this would do any good for uber just generally (laughs) how much they put their name to this i suppose you know this guy is no longer the ceo of the company and i think that's the story is how he gets pushed out of his own company but it does feel like the ethos is the same the foundation was there well i'm um, old-fashioned and have never ever got an uber so i is. get ubers four or five times a week <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, I have insulted other taxi drivers in other towns and cities before by getting out without paying because i just assume that they're an uber <laughs> and they're not <laughs> it's very embarrassing but yeah so i think none of us are going to stick around to find out how this one ends I think just generally, like Paramount Plus coming, I think the the dramas that they've sort of offered up, having read some reviews of them, don't seem to be that enticing or that sort of well-reviewed. I think that a lot of the stuff they're hanging their hat on to start off with is the uh, having the Star Trek Strange New Worlds is the, the big thing. I know uh, the new series of South Park, I believe, is going to be on there and there'll be various other like movies and stuff coming, but... I'm not but it's 100... not 2001. Who's seeking out the new, like, South Park? I will be. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I take it back. One person 
Paramount, you're doing good. Yeah. Matt says he will. But I don't think I would that. sign up just for that. Um, when are we getting the Frasier reboot? Is what I want to know because that's <laughs> Paramount Plus, isn't oh, it? But then it's weird. Some Paramount Plus stuff goes. It's these weird things where you never quite know. I mean, these these two shows we just talked about are both Showtime shows rather than Paramount Plus as well. So um, it's odd to see where where things will land end up. But yeah. That's going to be odd, the Frasier reboot when that happens. Are you are you intrigued as, as a as a massive fan, Sophie? The original. Are you still intrigued to see where that goes? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had much information about who's going to be in, actually involved yet. Because if it's just like Kelsey Grammer and a load of new characters, I'm not particularly interested. Personally, he's not great. Um, but if some of the other casts like Niles are returning, I, I will be more interested. See, I think they did a soft reboot with Julia, didn't they? Yeah, oh, yeah. that was that was good. Little reunion there. Well, it's nice to see them on screen again. Paramount Plus, I believe, is if you have a Sky Cinema subscription, you do get that free. Otherwise, I think it's five ninety nine a month, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> Use Google. Google's fun. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Good the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. Now, Apple TV Plus, we had to once again. Another new show this week. It is a comedy called Loot. It stars Maya Rudolph and NJ Rodriguez. <laughs> so, yeah, it stars uh, Maya Rudolph as... Uh, a very rich woman who becomes even richer. She becomes a multi-billionaire when she catches her husband cheating and they get a divorce. Um, and even though she's ended up with all this money, she starts to feel a bit sort of directionless without her husband, boo-hoo. Um, so she tries to get involved with this charity organisation that she has basically been funding for years, but not really playing any part in it. Yeah, there's MJ Rodriguez as sort of the the head of the foundation. She doesn't particularly want her to be involved because, for example, in the first episode, uh, she shows up at the opening of like a woman's shelter and gives a really tone deaf speech. Um, so obviously it's bad PR for the charity, but she insists on kind of sticking around because she wants to learn and she doesn't want to just kind of sit at home all day feeling sorry for herself with you know all her money but no kind of connections to people when she finds out about the foundation is the mj rodriguez character actually calls her in to say you are making this show of yourself and it is impacting on us and it's that point that she finds out she's actually got this foundation that she had no Has idea been putting about. money into but yeah it hasn't really like got involved with it and doesn't really seem to know it exists really she, like they just set it up and forgot about it did either of you watch Forever, which was another Maya Rudolph thing? No, because it's the same creators. Mm. Um, and it seems, I didn't actually watch it, but from what I gather, it seems like a similar sort of, like it's a comedy, but it's not a sort of laugh out loud, fun comedy. It's got a sort of bleakness to it almost, which is unusual because the creators also used to write for Parks and Rec. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that that Forever, I, I think I watched this first two or three episodes of that because that was very much a the good place is popular at the moment type thing because that was her and Fred Amison and they were a couple who weren't getting on he dies on holiday on like a ski slope and and then she tries to get over him and then she dies and they both end up in heaven together 
but they're sort of stuck together even though they weren't really getting on before they both died so it was yeah, a very it, and it was concept. really like um secretive wasn't it like none of the press were allowed to say what the actual premise was mm. because uh, they just had to say oh it's about a married couple and nothing <laughs> about the afterlife uh, but this is very much I, I thought this was a lot more traditional than that it's it is essentially a, you mentioned Parks and Recreation it is essentially a workplace sitcom isn't it that's what it sort of devolves into after the initial settle Adam Scott as well uh, the Parks and Rec connection as her husband I thought it was okay we were talking the other week when it was Gary was on the show we were talking about tea shows where like they're sort of almost always comedies that you can watch while eating your tea and they're not going to sort of they're enjoyable but they're not going to sort of trouble like your top 10 list or anything like that they're just nice to have on and you don't have to pay a lot of attention because it seems what what it seemed to me is that the Maya Rudolph character would do something wrong but then redeem herself by the end of the episode and it almost felt like that is gonna be sort of where it goes I mean I only watched the first two episodes I don't know if either of you went mm -hmm. on at all Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I watched the first two. Yeah, I was looking forward to this because I like Maya Rudolph. I like Alan Yang. Yeah, it, it felt a little bit flat to me. Like you said, it mm. was kind of okay. Um, I thought there were some good moments, but I didn't find it hugely funny. I didn't find it hugely interesting. I feel like we've had quite a few comedies in recent years about people learning to be better people like we mentioned the good place before and there's also Shit's creek um but in loot I, I don't really care as much because the main character is a multi-billionaire it's almost like Shit's creek but instead of the rich people losing everything she gains loads of money at the beginning like that's the inciting <laughs> incident so it's kind of like the opposite of Shit's Creek, really. Um, I just felt like I'd kind of seen it before. Like there's a scene in episode two where she's having dinner with some friends, like some rich friends, and she's starting to realise that they aren't very nice people. <laughs> and I just kind of felt like I've seen this before. It didn't really like excite me as a new show. I think she was the least interesting character, really. I think it got going more when MJ Rodriguez got on screen and as yeah. the, sort of the foil for her. And I quite like the Nat Faxon character as well, this divorced dad, you know, who's almost yeah. like the love interest for her going forward. I couldn't get past episode one. Not that it was bad. It was just more the absence of anything good. Mm. It didn't make me laugh. And it didn't make me care about the characters. It was too slow. And it was boring. From the off, I was just slightly perplexed because, again, another tech bro and his wife, happily married since college, had got everything. Sports cars in all different colours. But, I mean, no offence to them because they're great people. Maya Rudolph and Adam Scott, they look like normal people. There's normal laugh lines and wrinkles for people of their age. And so I was just staring at them like that going, huh, what? <laughs> just, they didn't work as very rich people for me. Mm. Um, 
yeah I think it was aiming for workplace satire but there was nothing satirical about it or if it was it was very mild it was like satire like with sort of wet paper tissue (laughs) yeah I I had a look at a few reviews this morning of like some American critics who've watched the whole series and a lot of them were saying something similar about how it's like what is their stance on wealth Mm -hmm. and are we supposed to be rooting for the main character are we supposed to be like is it supposed to be satire like sometimes there'll be a joke about you know the amount of wealth that she's got but then at the same time it's like wow look at this amazing house and this yacht and like it's hard to kind of is it coming down on one side or the other yeah I I think it should have just been a bit more ballsy because it's Mm. a a decent idea and the cast are good but yeah like you say it never really got going and that's why I feel like it's almost going back to sort of traditional roots that that's what it felt to me like it's got this you know we are commenting about wealth but at the end of the day it just to me feels very like you would have got this you know in the 90s almost and it didn't help that it had like a 90s r&b soundtrack either i quite like the soundtrack yeah i did (laughs) i did like mj rodriguez in this it's nice to see her in something very different from pose um you know she's kind of like almost like the straight character and I quite like their dynamic I Mm. think those those were some of the bits that did make me laugh where Molly is being very like oh you're trying to teach me a lesson aren't you and um MJ Rodriguez's character is like absolutely not and just kind of shutting her down like I quite like that dynamic um I don't feel that motivated to carry on watching this though I didn't find find it that offensive, but it's just as you say, it's it's not anything that's going to be particularly memorable, I don't think. And given it's Apple TV, given it's like a lot of big names, and as you say, the 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 creators have got like pedigree from other things that have been better. I think you you have to say it's a bit disappointing. The first three episodes are up now on Apple TV Plus, and then it is. Uh, an episode a week as is their model and finally another comedy uh, very different we head over to Netflix for Man versus B and Sarah is going to set this one up for us yes I am thank you <laughs> um, so this is Varun Atkinson who is obviously playing a version of Mr Bean which basically ever since uh, Blackadder that's how he's built his massive international career um, thankfully, this character is able to speak rather than just make imbecilic noises. Um, this is a guy called Trevor who is a new house sitter employed to go to this another beautiful ITV house. Um, <laughs> he's going to be house sitting for Christian and Nina, who are very privileged, wealthy people. Uh, they live in a very complicated, modern, smart house. Um, so, of course, Rowan Atkinson gets to muck about in classic physical comedy style by himself for large amounts of time, which is pretty much as Mr. Bean shtick, isn't it? Uh, gestures to sort of operate appliances plays into this. So he's got a couple of non-human co-stars in the two episodes that I saw. One is the titular B, who seems to decide that he's going to take revenge on him. It's a beautifully realised CG B, and... and in places like his furrowed eyebrows, bee eyebrows almost look quite angry. And then, of course, there's a, a, a dog called Cupcake as well, which is going to obviously trash the house and make a total nuisance of itself. Um, so I had a quick look, and this is written by Rowan Atkinson and William Davis. 
um, and they wrote the Johnny English films. And the director, David Kerr, has done a lot of British TV comedy and his first feature film was Johnny English Strikes Again. So basically, Rowan Atkinson has taken all of his favourite people over to Netflix for Netflix money, which is fair enough. I can see how it would be popular worldwide, again, like Mr Bean, um, but with a very British stamp on it. Sadly, though, this does the uh, Luke special opener as well. Mm -hmm. Um, As we see him in the dock for 14 outlandish offences related to this week in the house. Um, So it turns out that even comedies aren't immune from the cliche two months earlier time hop. Um, And Trevor is a bit of a loser. Uh, We're we're supposed to care about him because he's putting his life back together after unemployment and divorce. Um, And all he wants in the world is to spend more time with his teenage daughter, Maddie. It's great because it's short and short comedies should be encouraged. And this is the true benefit of putting something on a streaming service because the show can be as long or as short as the writer demands. It's very glossy. It's very watchable. Even if you're not much into slapstick and physical comedy, you've got the sense of this is a master at work. Um, I did feel like too much happened in the first 15 minutes. We lose the sense of jeopardy because a lot of the house is already trashed in that time. So I don't know how it can go on for so long. But I think it's one of those true situation comedies that doesn't stray far from the house and that you know visitors drop round. I think there's a police officer later on or something um so I suppose he has to keep up appearances that everything's fine they spoiled it in the beginning by showing some of the sort of chaos that Mm. happens and there is definitely the use of a flamethrower later on so that Mm. might spark people's interest or that might make people just think oh look you've shown us all of the fun action bits in the first few minutes and there was like dangerous driving as well so we, we obviously know he makes it out of the house at some point but yeah you're right you don't quite know why the bee is so intent on i mean it's a bee he must have had a hard life people swat at bees all the time and trap them in cars and in houses and they bang their little heads on the glass to try and get out why rowan atkinson in particular i don't know yeah, and to be fair, I don't think the bee is to blame for all the destruction. Like, he's a bit of an idiot. He puts a book on a hob. Like, that. Yeah. the bee didn't do that. The bee didn't tell him to put a book on a hob and then switch the hob on. Yeah, you you knew what, from the very moment she said everything's in the manual about yeah. the Yeah, you were watching it, weren't you? On the kitchen counter, you're like, well, something terrible is going to happen to that book in a moment. And hang on a minute, we're in a smart house. Why is there a paper manual? Yeah. You're worried that someone's going to fall down the stairs at some point, though. The amount of smart houses we had on ITV last yeah. year and everyone fell down the stairs. Watch in one out. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they do set it up, as you say. I don't know if it needs that opening because it almost sort of spoils what's going to happen, even though we know. And then you've got the scene with the, the couple. It's Rowan Atkinson. It's going to be chaos. Yeah. It's a beautiful house that's looked after beautifully. Of course, everything is going to get wrecked. We don't need to be spoon fed that. No, well, what I was going to say is we then spoon fed that again when the couple tell him all these things that he's obviously going to forget or going to destroy or so you you know what is going to happen essentially and it, it's just how much you want to see that and want to see Rowan Atkinson sort of react to these various situations and 
the episodes are very short. I think maybe the first one was the longest at about sort of just over 15 minutes. It Uh, almost feels like a film that's been cut up into little chunks because the first episode just kind of seamlessly goes into the second one. Like maybe it was even pitched as a film to begin with and they thought, oh, let's split it up into little bite-sized episodes. Yeah, and I I mean, I, I don't quite understand that. It just seems a bit odd to me. I mean, because with Netflix, they want you to watch as much as possible at one time, don't they? So Yeah, maybe they're trying to good. emulate Mr. Bean, possibly that sort of format, because they weren't those only about 10 or 15 minutes long per episode. Yeah, this format absolutely works for me. There was no way that I would stick on a Rowan Atkinson film mm. but I would leave this on for two three four episodes before I realized what had happened okay. <laughs> that's how Netflix gets you I think isn't mm-hmm. it and it feels to me like Netflix are buying up all these sort of common like we talked about last week with Melissa McCarthy Sarah and uh, we talked about a few weeks ago with the Mike Myers awful thing that he did with the like the pentaver uh, that was it yeah there was that Catherine tate thing recently oh, as yeah. well oh, yeah that disappeared without a trace did you watch that sophie no i didn't hear particularly <laughs> good things so it's strange netflix it's like the sort of nostalgia mm. you know these comedy figures that are a bit nostalgic for people kind of swooping in um, and giving them shows out of nowhere and specifically asking them to do what we remember them doing 20 30 years ago like mike Myers yeah. doing the the multi-character thing, Rowan Atkinson, yeah, yeah, Rowan Atkinson going back to Mr. Bean, and it almost feels as if like it's a new generation trying to introduce their kids to various things that they grew up with, and sort of in a similar way to Disney Plus buying up all the sort of different IPs. It's a shame because Netflix doesn't do that much original comedy, and that giving all the comedy slots to, as you said, asking people to do stuff they were doing 10, 20 years ago. I'd like to see some more original comedy, please. Yeah, I mean, like the likes of American Vandal and stuff like that is what you're you're thinking of, is it? Yeah, and particularly like Catherine Tate, it's like an original British comedy. Like, has Netflix commissioned any British comedies apart from that? I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's a shame. Did they do that? Um, what was the one where he? It was on Channel Four originally. It was the one where he got uh, VD. Oh, like it moved to Netflix. Yeah. yeah, I guess that. But like they didn't, that that started out on Channel 4. And same with yeah. Feel Good, that started out on Channel 4. Yeah. Um, yeah, not very innovative. Thoughts on this, Sophie, just generally? Um, I thought it was fine. I think if you have children, they will probably really enjoy this. If you're like a hardcore Mr. Bean fan, you'll probably get a kick out of this. Um, it is quite well put together, you know, in terms of, you can see all the things that are going to go wrong. And I think it was in episode two, like it it was still a little bit surprising. Like there's one bit where he's got a hammer because he's trying to break into one of the locked rooms and the hammer ends up being thrown backwards into a piece of art. Like it is very well sort of like structured, I think. And all the, the slapstick comedy is well put together. So yeah, I didn't mind this. I don't think I'm going to go back to it. But, you know, I liked it more than I expected to. And I think you're right about the the kids, maybe that's a good, you know, like put this on for the kids for 10 minutes and they might get a few laughs out of it. And, you know, there's barely any plots. Maybe we get an episode about from the bees perspective at some point you never know with a a netflix series but yeah so that is uh, man versus bee all on netflix now and uh, yeah that's the end of the show uh guys do you want to uh, just quickly run through your twitters again for us 
Yeah, I'm um, at it's Sophie Davis and Davis is I-E-S at the end. And I am at Sarah Hamstera. And yeah, I'm at Matt's TV Bites. Uh, the website is at Luke Custard TV. Um, the podcast, as I said, can be found on all your podcast apps of choice. And please rate, review and subscribe. Uh, we won't have a traditional podcast next week because there's not a lot. We're, we're heading into the summer sports season now. Uh, but we might have something in this space next week. So uh, watch this space and then we will be back definitely with a, a traditional Custard TV podcast in two weeks talking about Apple TV Plus's Blackbird and Channel 4's The Undeclared War, amongst other things. But uh, thank you very much for listening and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.